Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Halloween may be over, but will the ghostly sound of the Europa League anthem be haunting Tottenham Hotspur tonight? Massive game for Spurs in the Champions League. They must avoid defeat against Marseille to go through to the last 16, lose in France, and it's through the trap door into the Europa. And what's more, they've got to do it without Antonio Conte on the touchline. It'll be fine, says Pierre-Emile Hoybierg. But will it? We'll discuss that very shortly. From an absent Antonio to a cantankerous Klopp, Jürgen has been biting back again in his press conferences. Is he feeling the pressure? Liverpool already threw in Europe, but the Reds just aren't playing very well, are they? And as it's a Tuesday, we'll get stuck into our Tuesday top threes with a Derby Day twist. My name's Niall and welcome to Football Social Daily, your award-winning Premier League podcast. New episodes every day of the season, including through the World Cup as well. So if like Depeche Mode, you just can't get enough, hitting subscribe is the right thing to do. Joining me on today's show, and fittingly, because he is a Spurs fan, it's a debut on the podcast for Premier League statistician Johnny Blair. How are you doing, Johnny? All good, thank you for having me on. Looking forward to it. No problem. Thanks for joining us. And Johnny's team, of course, is in Europe already, as we'll discuss shortly. But a man who's pining for the days of Tino Aspria in the new Camp. And with Newcastle and Barcelona's current trajectories, that might not be a million miles away. <laughs> Marley Anderson, how are you doing, mate? I hope not. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who the uh, the modern day Tino Aspria might be, but I'd, I'd take Bruno strutting his stuff in the new Camp and... Uh, Anything, anything for a little away day in Barcelona would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Bruno is much better than Tino Espria. That's my claim to start the podcast. Really, so Maximan is the new Espria. <laughs> yeah, pro, yeah, probably. Yeah, you never know what he's going to do. All he needs to do now is take his shirt off and use it as a attach it to the corner flag like that iconic celebration, and uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have him in folklore forever. He'd take his Gucci headband off and tie it to the corner flag instead. That would be more fitting for, <laughs> yeah. for Alain Saint Maximan. Right, enough on Newcastle. Let's talk about Tottenham because they're away in France tonight. They take on Marseille in the final group stage game of the Champions League. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. And Spurs have got a fair bit to do this evening after last week's controversial VAR decision against Sporting. The game finishing 1-1 in the end. Spurs thought they had won it with Harry Kane scoring a late goal, but that goal was actually ruled out for an offside decision and it was the tightest decision I've seen for a long, long time. It means that Spurs basically need to win or draw at Marseille to go through to the knockout stages of this season's Champions League. But if Tottenham lose, it's down into the Europa League. This is by far the closest group in the Champions League this season, Johnny. So as a Spurs fan, how are you feeling and how are the general fan base feeling this morning heading into this one? Um, Petrified. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned there the closest group. When the draw came out, there was a lot of, oh, that's an easy group. And on paper, you look at it, Marseille, Sporting, Eintracht. As a Champions League group, it's a bit Europa League, isn't it? But I actually think... That's made it a tough group because there's no whipping boy. There's no, I know Maccabi Haifa beat uh, Juve, but there's no Maccabi Haifa. There's no whipping boy in that group. So everyone can take points of everyone. Everyone's fairly equal. And that's what's happened. Um, our away record in Europe is is terrible. Through the Conference League, Europa League, recent Champions League, terrible. We needed 
to get the three points against Sporting to go through. We had to win all our home games, realistically, to go through. And we haven't done it. So now we've got a cup final and we don't do well in those. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, especially, um, like you say, with the away record. And actually, Conte's record in Europe is pretty suspect as well. Is that something that's of concern to Tottenham fans? Because obviously, you work so hard to get back into the top four and into the Champions League. And then when you actually look through Antonio Conte's record of some of the huge clubs he's managed, but yet in, in European competition, it's not quite worked out for him. Yeah, I was looking at that. I don't think he's ever won more than three group stage matches at all. Uh, sometimes he's got through. Uh, but he's never, well, he never got past the quarterfinals. It's, it's a little bit of a concern. I don't expect us to win the Champions League. It's nice to be in it. Um, and I think the club need to get through this game tonight financially. Um, like I said, I don't think we're going to win the Champions League. Probably got more chance of winning the Europa League, even though that looks really tough. Um, his, his Champions League record is poor. He hates midweeks. We don't even do well in midweek Premier League games. He just, he's done it wherever he's gone. He just doesn't. He just needs longer on the training ground, it seems. And the way he puts them through their paces in training. Um, but that's all out the window now. He's got one game. He's not going to be there. Well, he's going to be there. He's not <laughs> going to be on the side barking at them. I'm sure the fullbacks will be delighted with that. Um, <laughs> look, we've just got to get a draw in, in Marseille, which on paper is the way they're playing. It, it's not an impossibility, but it's Tottenham. You just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, we'll wait and see tonight, of course. Eight o'clock kickoff. And as Johnny rightly says, Marley, Antonio Conte banned from the touchline tonight after an outburst in the sporting game. You can understand why he was a, a bit annoyed with it. Um, there's been a lot of talk about that offside decision. But Pierre-Emile Hoybier has been talking to the media this week and he says, no one can fill the manager's void, but we'll be together and we have to get through this together. And then he goes on to say, Marley, it's not a difficult situation. It's a different situation. What do you make of that? Do you agree the fact that it's not difficult having your manager absent from the touchline? Um, was he was he talking specifically about the manager not being there, or was he talking about the 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 game not being that difficult? Because one of them oh. is a lot more stupid than the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave you. I'll leave that interpretation up to you, Marley. Uh, well, if look, if he means the manager, I suppose it's you know it's it's less daft than saying oh well we'll turn up to to Marseille and, and stuff these like that's that's just silly you know you didn't you don't uh, you don't give him any sort of motivation about that but it's 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 come at the worst time hasn't it Conte with uh, with his his outburst you knew you knew it was coming you can even understand it you know he's one of those managers that will fly off handle and pick up two or three red cards a season probably but in the circumstances of the sporting game you can absolutely. I think even the most bland vanilla manager would have uh, would have even got sent off. You could see Eddie Howe punching someone or someone if that went uh, if that went against him, and he's hardly a, a firecracker on the touchline, uh, or Scott Parker ruining one of his four grand cardigans. But it's one of those where it's just came at the worst time because Spurs are away; they don't travel particularly well. They're in the Champions League; they haven't done particularly well in the group stage of that recently uh, under Conte. You know they've not won. Um, an away game in the Champions League this uh, season, I don't think. So it's it's coming What's down. Go? I haven't scored a goal. Yeah. So it, it it gets worse. It's like, oh my God, what else could go wrong? And then, oh, we haven't got our manager. And it's like, Conte is such a, um, an important part of the, this, like if you think about managers on touchlines, you, someone like Conte affects the game so much more than other other managers, other managers can sit there and watch the game and analyse it and change things tactically. But he will call you a nasty word in Italian and you will play better because of it. Because you're like, I don't want to let him down. And, you know, I'm not playing particularly well. I need to get my backside in gear and we need to win this game. But 
it's come down to it where Heuberg's uh, said this. I think it's different. Yeah, rightly so. It's different. Um, to say it's not difficult per se is a bit. Um, it could backfire, but one way, one way to make sure it doesn't backfire: win the bloody game, go through, get some get some demons off your shoulders, type of thing, and get the job done. It's not that. It isn't that hard a sort of task, win the game. It's not like you need to win by two and hope Sporting and Frankfurt draw. It's just win the game, you're through. You're still top of the league, well, you're all right. Don't even have to win. Just well, don't, don't lose, lose, basically. Don't yeah. lose and you're through, um, which is something that Sir Alex Ferguson used to always say to his lads before they'd go out for Manchester United, don't lose. Um, but I think with Conte, there's been questions over the football, Johnny. I mean, I've heard some people call it fossil football. Some people say that it's a hard watch. What's your take on the whole thing? I think we... The problem was, at the end of last season, we flew up when he took over from ninth to fourth. It was real blaze, beating Arsenal at home 3-0, 5-1 at Norwich. Played really well at Anfield and probably should have won, but Drew scoring a lot of goals. The front three clicked. I think he's coming to this season, his first real season. Uh, I was saying in the summer that I think it's the worst season to be in the Champions League because of the World Cup. Um, but it's never a bad season to be in the Champions League, but it was always going to be a difficult season. I th- there's a small part of me that thinks he's just held them back a little bit until after the World Cup. He wants to see, like every manager, how they get out of the World Cup. Do they come back fit and well? And then we have a go at the second half of the season. I'm, look, I'm a pessimistic Spurs fan, as many of us, but I'm confident that second half of the season will be similar to last season where we put our foot down. Um, look, it's not been great. I wouldn't call it fossil football. We still, we're still third in the league, scored possibly second or third most goals in the league. Um, it's not free-flowing. We miss Kulisevsky a lot. The transition between defence and attack is so important with Conte, especially when your fullbacks are pretty rubbish and that's so key to him. Kulisevsky is so reliant. We're so reliant on him carrying the ball 30 yards. Um, he's not been around for, for nearly six weeks now with a minor, what was originally a minor injury. Um, I don't think it's fossil football. It's just a little bit, it's Conte football, but he's well aware at times when to turn it on and even the second half recently, we've been fantastic. But you're chasing a game and a bit like Liverpool at the moment, you can't keep chasing games. It'll come back and bite you. But, you know, the knives have been out from a, a little bit, but that's nonsense. Yeah, I mean, Conte's top manager. I mean, I don't think anyone's questioning that today. And even though the results, as you say, have not been perfect recently, losses to Newcastle, Manchester United, drawing with Sporting and then coming from behind against Bournemouth, I just wonder what the mood will be going into the game Marley, obviously you say that the task is not to lose. It's as simple as that. But will the confidence be different after the you know the reverse of the scoreline against Bournemouth last weekend, considering they were behind, they came back to win? Will that change the mood going into this one? Or, or maybe they'd be thinking we got away with one a little bit there. Um, I, I don't know because they were... <laughs> It was properly Jekyll and Hyde against against Bournemouth. It was it was awful, and then you know they pulled it out the bag. And you think if 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 Spurs could have put that performance together for ninety minutes against Bournemouth, they could have won six or seven nil, and everything would be cushy going into the game. But instead, it's it's almost like a win with like a very big caveat of we let Kiefer Moore bully us and score two goals against uh, against us, you know. And, and Romero looked a big miss. I thought. Um, Romero, you need an aggressive, horrible centre back to play against someone like Kiefer Moore because he will he will try and trample you and he will run through you. But with with Spurs' um lineup, you know, I think was it Dyer, Davis, and Sanchez, and it was it was Sanchez, Longley, and Davis to start. Was it? Yeah, I mean, the, 
Sanchez has got everything he needs to physically deal with someone like Kiefer Moore, but he just doesn't seem to use it. So it's one of them where you go into tonight and you're thinking, you know, if if they think of the last, well, the second half against Bournemouth, you know, they can, well, the last half an hour or whatever it was, you can, you know, if that is what sticks in the mind, then they should be fine. But you can't go 2-0 down away at Marseille, for example, and, and expect to do it again because... You know their atmosphere will be insane tonight. They they haven't given up on anything. The 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 velodrome is a, a mint stadium, properly good atmosphere. Um, Marseille have got that like that mentality of like they they know that it's they know that they're not always going to be in the Champions League sort of knockout stages. So this is a big a big thing for them. Usually they're the sort of obvious third best team in a group. Whereas, you know, as Johnny was saying before, it's kind of an even group. So they probably looked at it and gone, well, Frankfurt won the Europa League, but they're not that good because they, they lost a couple of players and, you know, they, they sort of went again type of thing. Um, and then sporting a, a young and, and inexperienced. So we'll fancy it as well. So it's one of those, it's a proper test of character for Spurs. Um, probably comes at a good time. You know, you need, you need tests like this if you're going to be in it for the long run. And I think it's important they pass it because... I think deep down Conte's still got reservations about how far the squad can go and you need to kind of prove it to him by going to Marseille, turning up, not being bothered by the atmosphere, winning 2-0 and being like, well, what was all the fuss about? I think it's so key to get through as well because he, I think we might sign one or two in the summer, in the, in January. Uh, and if you're not in the Champions League, you, you're probably fishing from a different pool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Conte's already spoken about the importance of the January window. We're, what, you know, two months out from that. And he's also mentioned about how, like what you said before, Johnny, he wants to get Tottenham to the World Cup in as good a position as possible and maybe attack the Premier League season and, and possibly the European campaign following the World Cup in Qatar. So we'll see how that one goes tonight. Just finally, Johnny, Marseille, they're bottom of the group. They can still finish top. But in terms of the players they've got, Dimitri Payet, Eric Bailly, Jengizunde, familiar names, but also Kalasinac, Gwenduzi, Alexis Sanchez and Nuno Tavares, all former Arsenal players. Do you think that's going to make a difference in any way tonight? It's all pointing for me having a two-week break off Twitter because <laughs> I can't bear to see the fallout when Gwenduzi <laughs> smashes one in from 25 yards. Three deflections off Ben Davies. Um, but then, you know, I don't call them rejects, but they weren't good enough to get them. It wasn't a great Arsenal team at the time. Marseille, there's all this talk of infighting, how very French, <clears throat> before a big game. You know, 50, 000, I think there's a partial stadium closure tonight. It doesn't matter. There'll be 55,000 there. They've got to win, which may come into our favour if they've got to push forward because obviously we, we, you know, we're decent on the break. That's all we've got really at the moment. Yeah, those names scare me more than if they're messy up front, if I'm honest. Those former West Ham Arsenal players. Yeah, we got a Twitter deactivation in the offing, potentially. <laughs> Things go awry. I need it for work, but actually I'll take the two weeks off if we lose this and I've got the Arsenal fans <laughs> chipping away. Well, you said you're a pessimistic fan, so how do you feel feel that tonight will go? I, d I don't like asking for score predictions because I think it's so easy to look stupid in this game, but yeah. how do you feel about the match? I don't like predicting Spurs, but I have to say, actually, I think we'll get through it tonight. I think we might actually beat them tonight. Okay, well, we'll wait and see. Eight o'clock kickoff in the south of France for Marseille against Tottenham. Spurs must avoid defeat to go through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. As for the other Premier League side in action tonight, Liverpool, they are already through to the last 16. But Jurgen Klopp's been a little bit prickly lately and we'll discuss that next ahead of their game against Napoli tonight. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. Don't forget, if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. I'm Niall. I've got Johnny and Marley with me, and we're looking ahead to tonight's game at Anfield, where Liverpool welcome the Serie A leaders, Napoli, in the Champions League group stages. Both of these sides are already through. Napoli are top of the group, Liverpool second. Um, and it's pretty much guaranteed, Marley, that Liverpool are going to finish second, unless they can beat Napoli tonight, undefeated in Serie A this season, by four or more goals. That's how much Liverpool need to win by if they're going to finish top. Basically, with the way that the Reds are playing at the moment, that's not going to happen, is it? I'd be very, very surprised if it did. Um, there's been many a magical night at, at Anfield, but you know this has got to be... I mean, it's not that important, really, is it? Like, just get through if you're Liverpool. I think they've got bigger problems to to sort out than, than topping top a group, which would be nice, but is very, very, you know, hard to to do when you, the important thing is getting through. So I think with um with Liverpool the way they are, they'll you know, they've been so far in the in the competition recently. You know, they've won it a couple of years ago. They always get pretty far in it. They'll be confident of of knocking someone out, one of the bigger guns out in the um in the first knockout stage in February when it when it all rolls round again. Um but going into tonight, I mean it's one of those games where I think you can if you win it and you win it relatively comfortably, okay, not by four goals. If you win it two nil, for example, it gives you so much confidence. But and it can turn your turn your season around a little bit because obviously they're struggling at the minute. They're trying new things. They're trying different things. They're trying to prevent that out of not defending and still winning games, which is always difficult. Um, but it's it's one of those where it can it can spin your your fortunes, I think. Um, well, you say that, Marley, but they beat Manchester City 1-0 and then they didn't capitalise on that because the next week they were beaten by Nottingham Forest. So, I mean, yeah. like, how many how many new dawns does Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool need this season? They beat Oof. Bournemouth 9-0. They didn't really capitalise yeah. on that. They beat Manchester City 1-0 and they looked really good in that game. Salah was brilliant. Van Dijk was brilliant. And yet they couldn't capitalise the following week. So how many of those sort of corners turned will there need to be? at least one more <laughs> um i think i think the difference like i think the man city game for example i think it's a bad thing to to base things off because i feel like liverpool's cup final now is man city and it's beating them because it's became more of a rivalry than a um like a a competition rivalry it's more of a oh we hate them because they're challenging for the league with us and it's it's not sort of um a reflection of where the two teams are at and you think with with Liverpool, my, I mean, my my sort of take on Liverpool this season is they've gone into it thinking we're going to challenge Man City, and then they've dropped a few points, and they've gone instead of the, like the complacency has made them drop the points, and then because the standard is so high, they've gone well, we're never catching them, and then they've down tools, and it's like they've lost belief straight away because they've gone, they've got Haaland, he's got seventeen goals, okay, they're not top of the league. But now we've got them to catch and we've got Arsenal to catch. And they've, I think they've just given up a little bit. But going into a Champions League game, if they if they have given up on the league, like not obviously they're never going to admit that they've given up on the league or anything. But if they have mentally, that could make them put all their eggs in the Champions League basket. And that could make them a really dangerous, dangerous um, proposition in the Champions League. Because if you look at it from that point of view, they've got like seven games to win before they get, before they win the Champions League. And that's a lot easier than winning the next uh, 25 Premier League games to topple Man City and, and maybe Arsenal. So 
it's um it could be like a wounded animal situation and uh, i think to be fair they've probably got to treat it that way and the fa cup Mm. What do you think it is, Johnny, with Liverpool then? Because we know Napoli are a, a very good team, one of the best in Europe at the moment. But is it obvious where Liverpool have been lacking this term? It's so easy to say, well, Sadio Mane's left the club. But aside from him, it's the same team that reached the Champions League final last season, effectively, plus some new additions. I think they're all getting old together. He hasn't refreshed properly in the midfield, certainly. Van Dijk doesn't, hasn't looked the player he was since the injury, I don't think. Um, I think they're also suffering. I think if you look at Spurs, Chelsea and Liverpool, there's not been consistency. I just think the Champions League this season with the way we've squeezed in the Champions League and the Premier League um, to line Sepp's pockets in, in, in the winter, I just think those teams, I know there's Arsenal doing so well and they've been in the Europa League and United are sort of getting on it a little bit and they're in the Europa League. But I just think the intensity of the Champions League is not helping. He's got injuries as well. But mainly, I just don't think he's refreshed the squad properly. Do you, do you think he knows that that's his problem, though? Because we'll come on to it in a second. But in his press conferences, and I know no manager likes it when their backs are against the wall and when they're losing, and it's easy to, to sort of snap back at a journalist in the pressure of the situation. But do you think we're seeing that demeanour from him just purely because he knows that maybe there are maybe issues beyond his control that are causing him to be frustrated or maybe he knows that it's a problem that he's caused himself and he's annoyed at himself for it. Absolutely. He's been there, what, seven years now? Um, it's a long time in football now. Um, he's seen a great team. He's won the title, got to Champions League finals. Someone else has drifted away. I'm surprised how much the Mane thing has hurt them. Um, but, it, but it has. I don't know. If may, maybe... Liverpool fans wouldn't like to hear this, but maybe it just needs a refresh. Look, I don't know who that would be, um, but the squad, I really don't think the squad's been refreshed properly. Um, and, that, and that's a real problem. Again, I keep saying it, in this season, it's an absolutely mental season. I can't. These footballers are not robots. We all go, well, why can't he play Wednesday, Saturday? Why is he being rested? They're not, yeah, they're athletes, top athletes, but they're not robots. And eventually it's going to come back and it's going to bite you. Yeah, and it's not the fact that they can't play Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday or whatever. It's just that they can't play at the top of their game for those four games in a row. I mean, they can play the match. It's not a problem probably to play two lots of 90 minutes in a week, but to play to a certain level is a different thing altogether. And Liverpool are so intense in the press and the way they play and they probably miss Mane in that regard. I'm not sure Nunes has quite grasped it yet. So it's difficult to just constantly recreate that season after season Mm, yeah absolutely all right well yesterday on the podcast we discussed Jurgen Klopp and actually his demeanor in those press conferences as we've just touched upon and right on cue yesterday ahead of this game against Napoli he was suitably prickly in the press conference have a listen to this hi Jurgen you you said earlier that the Leeds goal had you waking up at night and is that a regular thing for you is it a common thing for you have you had a few this season Wake up in the night thinking about. No, no, I'm 55. I go a couple of times per night on the toilet. So, <laughs> um, that's why I wake up usually. But this time, the goal was in my mind. Yeah. And just on on tomorrow night's performance, what's the the most important thing you want to see from the performance tomorrow? After all those things I answered, now you ask me that question, Carl. <coughs> so, yeah, yeah, fight. Well, you think I want to see now that we that we start um, um, passing around them back heels um, and and bicycle kicks and these kind of things? Of course not. We have to work and we will. That's but for that we have to make sure that the boys we, we line up are ready to do that, and then we will do it. And then we will see what we get for it. The problem is Napoli will fight as well. So, but that's fine. That's Champions League. 
competition, highest level, how I said, really a team in top form in the moment. Whatever they, whoever they line up, they can make changes. Each striker scores and, and all these kind of things. That's their situation. We had that situation as well from time to time. So I'm not jealous or whatever. It's fine, well deserved. But we have to be the opponent they don't want to face. But in the moment, I think the mood in the Napoli camp is pretty good, rightly so. They think, okay, that's, uh, let's give them the next knock, and we have to fight against that. I knew you would say fight, by the way, but I just wondered how easy it is to switch the arm, because there have been some performances where that fight hasn't been there. So how do you, how do you ensure that, that fight is there? Which performances where we didn't fight? Forest, maybe? <laughs> That's, again, our life. It's completely, but you, you're all right, and I'm wrong. That's how it is. But um, the, to say we didn't fight against Forrest is, is, is actually, yeah, still not right. So there we go. Jurgen Klopp there, speaking in his press conference yesterday ahead of the game uh, against Napoli tonight. He says, you're all right and I'm wrong. He says, why are you asking me that question? He says, where do we lack fight? I know we seem to tuck into Jurgen Klopp quite a lot on this podcast, Marley. Should we just be used to his whinging and complaining by now, seeing as Johnny rightly says he's been here seven years? Um, it seems like he's doing this sort of thing a lot more often than he used to, though. What do you make of it? Yeah, well, it it, it certainly helps the... Uh, or doesn't stop the narrative that he's getting a bit under pressure. You know, I think if, you, uh, if you're looking at um, Liverpool's recent results and thinking, oh, you know, I mean, some people have linked with him, linked him with, with packing it in and, and going it, going somewhere else at the end of the season. And then he coming, it's coming out all prickly like that. It's, it's not the first time, but the timing of it makes it, makes it a little bit, um, a little bit more interesting than, than it usually is. I mean, it's a totally fair question from the journalist. Um, it's nothing that crosses, it doesn't even come near a line, never mind cross it. It's just a fair question. What do you want to see from the, from the game? Like he could have said anything. He could have said, "Oh yeah, I want to see us um, defend higher, deeper. I want to see our press getting a bit better. I want to see our midfielders um, controlling the tempo of the game a little bit more." But instead, he says, "Oh, fight!" And then he, then he's basically, I, I do hate it when like some journalists are guilty of of asking stupid questions. Like if if you think of like Gary Cottrell turning up with a flipping um, party popper in a in a in a press conference, you just think. Get out! Somebody, somebody, chuck a bottle at him and just kick him out. Which is, you know, that's one thing. But this guy's just asking a question, and then when he gets, when he gets a six foot four aggressive German, just, re, just you know, turning it back on him, and you, you, you heard his, uh, his voice, voice in that clip. He just went when he said, um, when Klopp said, "Which game didn't we fight him?" And he went. Forest, <laughs> like a proper little like timid voice, and I just thought, oh god, I think if I was a journalist, I, I would, I would have found it so hard to not go aggressive back to him, but then you're never going to invite him back to a press conference and you're kind of, you're kind of knackered. I'm waiting to see that happen, Marley. I said this a few weeks back. I'm waiting to see a journalist kind of punch back at Jurgen Klopp just to see his reaction there, put him on the back foot and maybe, maybe. see whether that drags anything else out of him. You could almost tell by the answer to the first question, that little quip and the joke about going to the toilet because he's a middle-aged man. It kind of felt like something was brewing in the press conference after that and uh, and suitably he's frustrated and you can understand why he's also said in this press conference Johnny that it's not 100% fair to judge Liverpool as they are right now and that we should wait until the end of the season to cast our opinions on 
on the Reds. But for me, that's that's rubbish. I don't understand that theory whatsoever. Why isn't it fair? Because why do managers get sacked middle of the season if that's the case? I mean, I, I don't agree with that. Uh, no, they're what, eighth, ninth in the league, whatever it is. Um, they should be pushing Man City. They're normally pushing City at this point. So I think it is fair to judge. Um, they're in a, I hate that word, in a, possibly in a transition season. Um, like we've talked about players having to play every three, four days. You know, these geezers are up in front of the press every three or four days at the moment. Can't be fun for them. Yeah, he was a little bit prickly. Um, it's all right, they got Spurs at the weekend. so. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that will put a smile back on Jürgen's face. Uh, Liverpool-Napoli I think tonight. I'd rather watch Conte Klopp at the weekend than, uh, <laughs> yeah. than Fury Chisora yeah. in two weeks' time, whatever it I'd is. I'd pay the 25 quid box office fee for that one, for sure. I mean, that would be one <laughs> hell of a scrap. Uh, Liverpool versus Napoli tonight in the Champions League, 8 o'clock kickoff. Don't forget, on tomorrow's podcast, I'm sure we'll be looking back at those two results and, of course, the games involving Chelsea and Manchester City as well. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. But that's it for the previews on today's episode of Football Social Daily. We're going to have a bit of fun, as we often do on a Tuesday next, with our top threes. We'll do it after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. Final part of today's Football Social Daily. And on a Tuesday, we do our top threes. Every week, we decide between us the top three in a specific category. Last week was manager quotes of all time. And what did we come up with, Marley? I think we had Kevin Keegan, <laughs> yeah. iconic quote. Yeah. And then I think Jose Mourinho had two quotes in there. I am the special one. And if I speak, I'll be in big trouble. Yeah. So there's, there's a top three there. I don't know, Johnny, whether you can chime in with any suggestions. I love that, Jason. I think I use it probably at home when I'm in trouble uh, quite, a, quite a lot but it's such a great it's such a great quote I mean there was a couple on there as well there was uh, a few dark horses Nigel Pearson I am an uh, are you an ostrich uh, imagine if he said I am an ostrich um, Rafa Benitez with his list there's a, there's a few but this week we're going to turn our attention to derby matches and the reason I say that was Plymouth against Exeter in League One was on last night, the Devon Derby, and I was at a different match, but we were checking the scores at half-time, and someone turned to me and they said, that's a an underrated derby, that, Plymouth-Exeter, the Devon Derby, so I want some nominations from you guys for the most underrated derbies in world football. So I'm not talking old firms, I'm not talking Manchester derbies, I'm not talking North London derbies, I'm talking things like Swindon against Oxford, the A420 derby, Preston against Blackpool, etc etc they can be based in the UK they can be abroad so we'll start with that on one of our top threes today so any suggestions we'll start with you Marley what do you reckon I'm struggling to come up with with a derby that's not a derby do you know what I mean like your questionnaire is like an underrated derby and then like Exeter and like all derbies are sort of rated because like if I say like you know, the old firm, But no, example, but my, my point is no one's ever turned to me and said, you know what, the Devon Derby is just, you know, it's a game you've got to Niall, watch. Niall, basically, <laughs> you've, you've met the one guy, you've met the needle in the haystack who, who, was, who would ever say that, <laughs> uh, ever say that sentence. Somebody who was so, somebody who's obviously just been paid and he's very happy on a Monday night to be watching Exeter versus All Plymouth. All right, well my, well, my suggestion would be, <laughs> what about something like River Plate against Boca 
juniors, which I think is a derby, that's right? A, that's a proper derby, though. Yeah, but I, I, I'm talking about mean, underrated. Right. It's not as in it's not okay. a big derby. Of course, it's a massive derby. It's a huge derby. But in terms of ones we speak about, if you went and asked the average football fan down the dog and duck what their top five derbies in world football would be, they'd tell you Merseyside derby, Manchester derby, North London derby, and it would just old firm. And yeah. what I'm trying to get at here is what what are the top three derbies that maybe don't get the credit they deserve? Maybe that's a better way of right. wording the question. Okay. Well, on that, we've got to go abroad, haven't we? Like, because everyone knows about every every derby in, in England because they always, they tell you that, uh, that it's the Manchester derby, but then you see like Maguire and Stones swapping shirts and, and texting each other. Oh, are you okay? Did I hurt your ankle? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not, it's not that anymore. <laughs> It, it you have to go to South America for me, um, and I think Boca versus River is is mega. Like it's yeah. you, the atmosphere in South America is something different. I'd, I'd love to experience it yeah. one day, but I feel like I've uh, I've missed that boat because I'd, I'd just be I'd just stand there like a scared little child now because everyone's absolutely mental. You said that, but last week River gave Boca the title and didn't seem bothered about it. Was, yeah, because didn't he want Racing not to win it as well? I was stunned that there was no food. <laughs> you mean there. controversial South American football scores? Yeah. Surely not. Let's <laughs> not, not open that kind of wound. River, River Kiva saved a penalty in the last minute to hand Boca the title and celebrated saving the penalty. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I agree with you, though. I think oh, that should man. be in the top three. I don't know if you've got any other suggestions, Johnny. Ajax final. I mean, they hate each other. Absolutely. It's deep-rooted in, in nonsense. Like but they've... I can't remember whose side. One of them had their training ground burnt down a few years ago. Um, the suspicion, I don't want to, you know, it's, <laughs> the suspicion was it was fans of the club. They've had stadium bans, I think, for six years at one point. No away fans could travel. Uh, they hate each other. I did once go to Queen of the South against Air, which was described <laughs> as a derby, despite being 50 miles away. And I think Air bought about 27 fans, so it didn't live up to its billing, but I was told it was a dog. <laughs> That's the sort of thing I'm looking for, Marley. I love that. Um, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't match that. I've not been to a, a game that poor. <laughs> no, but I think I think you're right. If you're talking about, um, is it called De Classica in, in the Dutch league, isn't it? It's um, Ajax of Amsterdam against uh, Feyenoord. Rotterdam, two cities, Rotterdam, two yeah. sort of port cities, aren't they as well? I guess there's kind of rivalry there beyond the confines of football. And strangely, both teams have the same colour kit. I know Feyenoord wear black shorts, but I just find that strange. You could walk around the Netherlands with a red and white scarf with no badge on it and nobody would know who you really supported. Yeah, that's true. That could be both, couldn't it? Same with PSV as well. Uh, I've got to have different colours and PSV, yeah. yeah. You've got to have, there's, no, there's no red in my house. You know, you've got no, to have mine. different colours. All mine. All mine. <laughs> Me and Marley both dislike red and white stripes, so there's no, none of those knocking around. All right, okay. Well, there's some good suggestions there. Some good suggestions. I've got I've got potentially another one. Go on. Of um, Besiktas. Um, sorry, Galatasaray oh, yeah. and Fenerbahce. Purely mm. thanks to Graham Souness planting a flag in there in... 1984 <laughs> or whatever it was, and very nearly starting the uh, the Third World War. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that that's uh, one of those insane derbies, which is uh, always very keenly contested. And it's the Brighton Palace is a weird one. Mullery and Venables had a fight or something. Um, you know, they're not that local, are they? It's a bit of an odd one. Any derby named after a road is not a derby. Yeah, I agree. Is it the A54 now? I've never been that far south. Something like that. A50 summit. <laughs> I don't know, mate. You're asking me. A20 something? <laughs> I want to say A20 something. I don't know. Um, Either way. It's, not, not it's, derby, it's like, it? Uh, it, well, it depends because the Brighton and Palace fans 
don't like it being called the yeah. A something or M something derby. Um, well, I think it depends which side you live in. If you live towards Croydon, it's the M side. If you live towards Brighton, it's the A, the a road instead. It's the same road with two different names. It's just... Yeah. It makes it worse. It yeah. makes, it if makes you can't it agree on the derby name, you can't call it... You can't <laughs> have people calling it a derby. No. Manchester hate each other as well, but they don't, they're not even close. That's some sort of old comp National League Vauxhall Conference rivalry. So there's some weird rooted ones in this country too. Yeah, I mean, Luton-Watford, we've not seen that rivalry for a few years because Luton have been in the sort of non-league wilderness over the last 20 years, whilst Watford have been up and around the Premier League. But yeah, they're both in the same division in the Championship this season. So uh, there's another derby there which people can look forward to. I quite like the suggestions though. I like Ajax-Rotterdam. I like any of the Istanbul derbies. Mali, I think you can definitely throw them in there. I mean, Besiktas as well are a, a team that certainly gets stuck into those rivalries. And then, of course... Um, River against Boca, massive one. So enjoyed that for the top three. Right, we're going to do one more top three and we're going to come up with suggestions here for the best football-related Halloween costumes because, Marley, I've seen... I saw a Mike Dean on Twitter yesterday, which was which made me laugh a lot. I've seen someone dress up as a VAR monitor, um, a fair few Terry Butchers. So probably not the easiest one to think of a top three for, but there are, there are some suggestions there. Uh, I think Terry Butcher's got to be in there, surely. <laughs> yeah. That's an iconic football horror scene yeah um i seen one this this um this year like literally about three or four days ago i think we talked about it yesterday in the uh in the office and it was just um that fella who dressed up as as wayne rooney eating the um eating the top <laughs> is it a toffee apple or a massive lollipop i haven't got a clue um I think it's a big lollipop is yeah. it it's absolutely huge it's the size of like a baby's head it's absolutely massive in it <laughs> so you're like what the hell is that um <laughs> but it is uh it is a funny one. It's like the more niche they are, the better they are in it. It's like anyone can dress up as as uh, as anything from from Halloween, and I'm not a big fan of it myself. Halloween, but it's one of those where if you think outside the box, it's uh, you can you can come up with some really good stuff. And I think Rooney responded to it, didn't he, on on Instagram or, yeah. or something like that. Um, <laughs> just said fair play, and and that was good for for me because I've always wondered whether that picture is actually real. I've honestly, it's one of them pictures I see it and go, surely that's not him. Surely that's, you know, that's someone else. And But the fact that Colleen's next to him means it has to be him. And I'm always like, how is that real? It's, it's She looks quite glamorous and quite nice. And he's he's just like a, a child on holiday. Mental. Yeah, but there there's kind of in fitting with Wayne Rooney kind of fashion disasters. There's that photo of him and Scholes and Ferdinand where they've all got the flared jeans and the brown <laughs> smart shoes walking down the street. That's a shocking photo, that. Uh, any suggestions, Johnny, for Halloween get-ups? Yeah, uh, Gwenduzi, Kolasinac, Tavares. <laughs> My Marseille shirt tonight is <laughs> I think that's a good way to end the show. Johnny, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for your time. Uh, Johnny's a, a statistician. Uh, for the Premier League and CBS and BT and some other people as well. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, John O'Blaine. And don't forget, you can follow us as well at FSD Pod on social media. You can also join our Telegram group by clicking the pin tweet at the top of our profile. Download the app. It will take you straight to the Telegram group where you can join the conversation after the podcast is finished. Thank you very much, Marley, as well. And uh, don't forget, as I say, hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. Brand new shows each and every day of the season. So that's it from us today. But we'll catch you again next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.